You're listening to a Comics XF podcast. WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA, the Comics XF interview podcast where two best friends talk about comics with the people who make them. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Laswitz. And this week's guest is the creator of the upcoming DC miniseries Batman City of Madness, uh, as well as comics like Bloodstained Teeth and Invisible Kingdom. Christian Ward. Welcome, Christian. Uh, do you know what? I will never get bored of hearing my list of, of books. I'll never get bored of that. Thank you for having me. I'm very thrilled to be here. You're welcome. It's a good list. <laughs> so it's not, too, are... it's not too shabby. It's not too shabby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty good. Uh, as the yeah, other said. Yeah. <laughs> so what are some of the first comics that you remember reading? Oh my god! Oh, start with the start with the hard ones. Um, <laughs> but do you know what? Like, I I have all these weird intangible memories uh, of like comics. Like they're very fragmented. I mean, I my um, my dad used to buy me comics. He used to work in uh, a factory growing up, so we would only see him kind of like you know it wasn't all the time. He was shift working, but he would always like leave me comics from the newsagents. And so I had a, I've got a very kind of like early memory of reading comics and 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 being kind of introduced to the kind of art form from a very early age. But it was always very kind of disparate issues. So I'd have an issue of this comic over here, a random issue of another comic over here. So it was never like a coherent story. So it, it was really just I remember reading The Hulk and just having no idea what, what was going on, but loving it. I remember getting copies of, of like uh, West Coast Avengers. I have a real memory of getting, getting a lot of West Coast Avengers. And of course, Batman. Um, you know, I think the first comic I read was when I was a little bit older. I would have been, a, I say, around about nine nine years old. And this is, I'm sure you'll have heard this from a lot of you UK guests. It was the weekly trans Marvel Transformers comic that would come out here weekly. And it got delivered uh, through the letterbox by the local uh, paperboy. And that was the first comic, because I collected it literally from issue one. Uh, and it was that first idea of comic as a soap opera. Do you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. tune in next week to find out what's going to happen. And, and, before, you know, I'd never really got the sense of how important the cliffhanger was and how really, you know, those last few pages of any issue is where the enjoyment is. It's, it's oh, my God, how are how are they going to get out of this situation? Where is it going to go next? And that was that was where my love of comics really was born. The idea of, you know, and I remember waiting on a Saturday morning and I'd be up at seven o'clock sat downstairs waiting by the letterbox waiting for the delivery boy to kind of put it for the letterbox and i would read it before anyone else got up because i would just i had to find out what was going to happen so um yeah it would have been transformers so obviously i'm very excited about you know downing warren johnson's upcoming release because i think that's going to be very much tying into the the same sort of mythos that was um you know that that really kind of got me into comics in the first place. If you're a comics fan and you're not excited for Daniel Warren Johnson's Transformers, uh, 
check your pulse, please. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, to be honest, you could say that sentence again and just take Transformers out and just put whatever book he's doing next. I mean, it, you know, it's that simple. You know, if you're not interested, excited by Darren Wants Johnson's X, you know, it's he could do whatever and I would get excited because the man's a genius. Uh, so and so you just said it, but do you remember mm. a, a first Batman story that that stuck with you? I mean, I think kind of the, the um, when I was younger, I got because we didn't like American comics was very different in the UK. We didn't get we, we wouldn't get kind of like the issues wouldn't follow suit. You know, they would always be delayed. And I think the first time I read Batman stories was I was given some Christmas or birthday present, uh, a Batman book called The Greatest Batman Stories Ever Told. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a a collection of, you know, you guys know, of, you know, Batman from Bob Kane all the way up, you know, to to ending with kind of like Son of a Demon. Um, And that was, that was the... I mean, and there were so many greats in that. I mean, I remember kind of laugh, the Laughing Fish was a particular one. The, the story with Two Face was a particular one. Um, you know, it, it's that was the first time I was just like, right, I, I need to do, I need to find more Batman. And the way that we did that here in the UK was really buying graphic novels uh, that would be published, you know, in, in a book form because you couldn't really get the individual comics. So I remember getting, um, you know, I did did all the usual, the Dark Knight Returns. Um, we did have a very short-lived comic book store here where I was born in Wolverhampton. I don't remember it lasting very long because it was right next door to the adult store. So it was this weird, <laughs> like, kind of like, you know, you'd be walking in going, oh, um I don't even remember the name of it, but it always smelled of cigarettes. It wasn't the most welcoming. Um, but I remember picking up um, Batman Year Two was quite a big favourite of mine as a lad. And I think, you know, it's, it's Todd McFarlane and then, you know, Batman. I mean, I know like Batman with Guns is a no-no, but Batman with Guns, <laughs> it's it's a no-no, but it's fucking cool. Um, so that was one that I got really excited about. Uh, and then I remember picking up the Prestige uh, kind of like one shots um batman full circle do you guys remember that yeah i mean like if any dc editors are out there i mean i'm not i'm sure i'm not you know i'd love to do something with a reaper i mean that would be um so yeah that was uh that was another one i remember and then of course that led me all the way up to my 13th birthday um christmas excuse me 13th christmas when i was gifted arkham asylum a serious house on a serious earth and then that was that was it then you know it kind of took my brain and just pulled it apart and up to that point I was so used to you know black and white ink with color I mean even like things like I was a big fan of I've got it here actually big fan of like the cult I love the cult and you know and that's got some really trippy colors but it's still it's still you know pen and ink it's traditional comic you know, likewise with uh, you know the original coloring gone killing joke, but when I um, when I read Batman Arkham Asylum Serious House on a Serious Earth, it was not to put too too fun a point on it. It was mind changing. It changed the chemicals of my brain. Like I've ne- you know I've never done drugs. Yeah, and I know some people will look at my work and go, "Ah, he's lying." <laughs> but like I've never done drugs. But that was like the first time I'd experienced something kind of 
taking me out of my own kind of experience and existence. It was just, I couldn't, like my mind, young mind kind of couldn't get his head around it, but it was the kind of combination of the kind of, the story which which seems so elusive and dangerous and weird and the the kind of that combined with Dave McKean and the story obviously by Grant Morrison combined with Dave McKean's very just everything photography collage model making paint on top of photographs pen and ink pencils and it just all being melted I'd have never seen really anything kind of put together like that and not only did that kind of really make me want to be a comic book artist, but it also kind of opened my eyes to other art. You know, it made me look at kind of impressionists and it made me look at expressionists. And it made me, you know, when I went to, when I was in secondary school and I was studying art, even though I wanted to be a comic book artist, Dave McKean kind of taught me that if I looked at other things outside the realm of comic book art, it would only make my comic book art better. Um, so that was the, the the real, the one that kind of changed everything for me. So before we dive too far into things, uh, we're, we're a couple of days removed from this uh, in recording time, but happy belated Batman Day uh, to you both. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, to those that celebrate. <laughs> yes, to those who celebrate. Uh, how and how did you celebrate if you did in fact celebrate? Uh, well, you know, weekends for me are, are, are family time. So I, I was with my children uh, and and I think I celebrated by just looking at some really cool Batman art on my phone while they destroyed the house behind me. That's that's basically <laughs> what I did. <laughs> um, but it's quite cool because they're quite they quite like Batman. Um, so, um, you know, they're often kind of wandering to my room and it's cool because I'm like drawing Batman at the moment and, and they're like, you know, they're kind of, oh, that's drawing Batman. You know, because previously, you know, whenever you're working on a kind of creator own book, which is mm. always cool, you know, but you tell people, you know, well, what do you do? Oh, I'm a comic book artist. Oh, what do you work on? Oh, Bloodstained Teeth and Invisible Kingdom. And like the eyes glaze over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, but then you go, oh, I'm working on Batman. Everybody knows Batman. Do you know what I mean? So it's just like, a, it, that's a really cool thing. So I celebrated it by, you know, you know, I, I picked up uh, Graffa Rampa's book, um, you know, uh, uh, Gargoyling in Gotham and, and cursed his name, cursed his name because he's too good. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was it, really. And just kind of like, I mean, the whole time now, it, it, it's, it's, you know, my book, I don't know when you guys are putting out this podcast, but, you know, as we talk, my book is, what, just over three weeks away. Well, mm-hmm. I think three weeks, three weeks tomorrow um and uh you know it's that weird thing where it can't come soon enough you know it's like waiting for christmas you know when you're a child like I, it's it's this is something i've been waiting for for a long time so batman day was like me sitting here like this like come on come on come on it's almost here batman day was just like no yeah get out of the way get out of the way i like get to my batman day that was what that's the honest answer i'm waiting for my batman day <laughs> Oh, how many sleeps until the Gotham below uh, opens and swallows us uh, whole? Exactly. Oh, we don't want to go there. We don't trust me. We don't want to go there. <laughs> uh, Matt, same question to you, though. How did you celebrate your Batman day? I I popped over to my comic shop of choice and picked up some 
Batman Day free comics and a couple of other little Batman things, and then spent the rest of the day editing the new episode of Bat Chat. So I was deeply immersed in my <laughs> Batman-ness because I'm me. And let's be fair, for me, every day is Batman Day. <laughs> if you keep it in your heart, absolutely. <laughs> so this is going to be episode 275 of our little interview show based on numbering that got completely cocked up in 2020. And I never bothered to correct. Uh, in that vein, and given we're going to be talking about Batman a lot today, I, I decided to just kind of Google what issues 275 of Batman and Detective Comics were about. Uh, the answers may shock you or not, <laughs> if you already knew. But uh, Batman number 275 is called The Ferry Blows at Midnight, which, first of all, great name. Yeah. Uh, and is about a plot to blow up a ferry amid a bunch of other bizarre crimes that pop up as sort of as part of something called the Underworld Olympics. This was it. This was published in 1976, okay. so it was an Olympic year. So it, it definitely feels like a pitch, pitch where the writer was like, uh, "It's the Olympics, but for crime. That's something, right?" <laughs> and then uh, Tech 275 was called the Zebra Batman, oh, and classic. oh yeah. This one, I'm just going to read straight from the DC wiki because it, it's it's so bonkers. Batman and Robin encounter a magnetically powered villain, the Zebra Man. But a charge from the machine which gave Zebra Man his powers turns Batman into a Zebra Batman who repels all solid matter. And without a belt like Zebra Man's to neutralize the repelling force, he cannot regulate his powers. Now, I'm no zoologist. <laughs> but... Since, since when do zebras equal magnets? <laughs> because magnetism can do anything. We know this from Magneto. I, I, I feel, I feel like in Saint Clown Posse, fucking zebras. How do they work? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, Batman crazy. But anyway, you're here not to talk about those stories, but to talk about Batman City of Madness, which is your three issue Black Label miniseries that launches yeah. October tenth. Uh, Matt, it's a Batman book. The floor is yours. Buried Crack the knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> Buried deep beneath Gotham City, there exists another Gotham. This Gotham below is a living nightmare, populated by twisted mirrors of our Gotham's denizens, fueled by the fear and hatred flowing down from above. For decades, the doorway between the cities has been sealed and heavily guarded by the Court of Owls. But now the door swings wide, and the twisted version of the Dark Knight has escaped to trap and train a Robin of his own. Batman must form an, an uneasy alliance with the Court and its deadly allies to stop him and to hold back the wave of twisted supervillains, nightmarish versions of his own nemeses, each one worse than the last that's spilling into the streets. So I want first, you to, you, I want you to narrate ahead. all my books from now on. You're <laughs> my, you are my official narrator. I was listening to you narrate that. I was going, I'd read that. That sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When's this out? I want it. I want to get that. That sounds wicked. <laughs> Go on, question. Oh man, it, you know <laughs> that's the thing. I, I, he keep, I keep trying to get him paid paid work doing uh, voice. <laughs> <Yeah. first. laughs> I'm here, folks. Yeah. <laughs> 
give him money. Uh, what is the origin of this project? Oh, well, I mean, I've kind of alluded to it, really. The origin of this this project is it's it was wanting to do... I've been referring to it on, like, kind of socials as, as a pseudo-sequel to Arkham Asylum, um, a serious house on a serious earth. Um, and, and the strange thing is, as... as I've been in interviews with, like like I'm doing with you, gentlemen, right now. It, it it's 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 made me think about kind of what I'm actually doing, and I think kind of what it actually is beyond this pseudo sequel is it's a it's a love letter, it's a thank you to that book. Like that book set my course. Like the minute I read that book, that was it. I was like, right. At, I'm going to be a comic book artist. I don't know how long it's going to took me. And it took me from the time I read that book. It took me close to thirty years. You know, it was a long time. I never gave up. I knew that's what I wanted. And so, really, this is about me thanking that book for existing by kind of paying homage to it, and also paying homage to you know, all the Batman that I love. I mean, you can see behind me, I've got, the, you know, the, the the animated Batman there. You know, I'm a big fan of that. A huge fan of what Scott and Greg did with the Court Valves. You know, you can try, I love all Batman. You know, it, it's it's all good. Um, and so really it was just about, it's, you know, everybody wants to do Batman. Like everybody wants to do him. He's such a fucking cool character. And the thing that I love about him so much is I can do my take on him, which is kind of mythical and strange and kind of steps into cosmic horror. And, and he's not always the nicest guy. And it and that's fine. I can do that with him because it doesn't negate Lego Batman, who I also love. And it doesn't negate, uh, you know, um, Frank Miller's Batman. And it doesn't negate you know, um, Neil Adams' Batman, you know, they can all exist. And that's what's so incredible about this kind of, you know, iconic character who can be all these different things. And every one of them is as true as the last. And it was really just wanting to, you know, I love that there's not a, a character I love more than Batman. And it, it it's this book is a dream come true. Um, to be able to do it, and when I got when I got offered it, I just knew that it had to be. I had to put everything into it so that if I never do Batman again, I never draw him again, I never write him again, I will have this story that is the pinnacle of my love for him, the 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 pinnacle of what I feel I can do with him. Like if this is not only a Batman book, it's a hundred percent a Christian Ward book. You know, anyone that's read Bloodstained Teeth or has seen my art in Odyssey, you know, books going on to Invisible Kingdom, this is me. You know, anyone who doesn't even like Batman or doesn't like superheroes can pick up this book as a fan of me and they will in, they can enjoy this as much as they'd enjoy any of my indie books because I've kind of I've I've tried to craft a a story that is it, it's both it can stand on its own feet but it's also a, a kind of you know tribute to this character a hymn to this character who i love but hopefully in a way that if you don't know that character i mean everybody knows batman but if you've never read that character you, you can still really enjoy it 
And did I read correctly? This is your first time writing and drawing the same book, and it's Batman. I know, right? Not too bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's funny because I mean, like, you know, that this has always been the goal. It's always been the goal. You know, I've always wanted to kind of write and draw my own stuff. Um, And the only thing that's kind of stopped me doing it is just getting to work with just incredible writers, you know, that like Matt Fraction, you know, when I got off the book with Matt Fraction, I'd already lined up an image book that I was going to write and draw. You know, and we're talking, you know, over 10 years ago now. I think Odyssey came out 12 years ago, around that. Mm-hmm. Um, something like that. Um, um, and I'd lined up a book that I was going to write and draw. And then Matt was reached out to me on, on you know, Twitter at the time and just said, you know, I'd love to do a book with you. And like, who says no to my faction? You, you know, you don't. You know, and then from there, I got the, the uh, Black Bolt at Marvel with Saladin. And then I worked with Jason Aaron on Thor. And then I got to work with Julia Willow Wilson. I mean, literally, it's it's an embarrassment of riches, the, the, the people that I've been very lucky to work with. And so every time I've, I've kind of was offered those sort of gigs, it pushed back my plan further and further and further but you know it's great because like there's there's no way that I haven't learned from working with all those writers you know work when you work with people of that caliber you know even if it's conscious or not I'm going to be learning and I'm going to be improving my storytelling and like kind of my you know everything so you know and then I kind of like leapt into Machine Gun Wizards with Sammy Cavalli and then Bloodstained Teeth with Patrick Reynolds and I knew that I had to dive in and actually, rather than just be precious about my stories, think, okay, I'm going to give one of my stories to somebody else. First case being Sammy with Machine Gun Wizards and then Patrick with Bloodstained Teeth. Because if I wait for me to be available as an artist, I'm pushing my dream, you know, kicking the can down the road, you know. And I just, at that point, I stopped being precious about my stuff. Again, okay, it doesn't, you know, it's, 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 I just have to get it out there and just get going. But obviously when, when I worked with um, the black label guys, Chris Conroy being the group group editor at DC, and they wanted to work with me after Aquaman Andromeda, which I did with Ram V. And I said, you know, they, they worked for me doing a solo book. Um, they asked me, what's this Batman book you keep talking about on Twitter? Cause I kept posting about this book on Twitter, manifesting it, some would say. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't going to give that to another artist. That's all me, baby. Do you know what I mean? I was just like, and, I, and I've been working on this now since Christmas. Um, it's about a long time crafting a story. I write all three scripts first. Um, once all scripts are done, then I started drawing issue one. Uh, I'm now about 10 pages into issue three, which is brilliant because it's not, you know, issue one's not even out yet. And I, I'm honestly having my most fun work days I've ever had. And I'm already bereft of the idea that I would say by mid-November, I'm probably going to be finished. And then that's it. This 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 dream is it, it's it's out there in the world. And then it's about me then kind of, you know, thinking, what's the next dream? But it's um, yeah, I am drawing it and it's uh and it's great. It's good because I get on quite well with a writer, which I think kind of helps. 
you know, he 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 writes all the sort of stuff I like drawing, so it's all it's all good, really. It's not putting any horses or crowd scenes in there. Oh my, I've got crowd scenes. I hate crowd scenes. At least put some in. <laughs> I'm, I'm drawing one right now. There's hundreds of people on it. I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> but you know, to be serious for a minute about that, like I made a, good jo- a joke about it, but like. I, I've had people kind of ask me about this from a kind of like artist writer point of view, you know, because, you know, when I worked with Sammy and when I worked with Patrick, you know, you write your scripts and you do sort of think, okay, I remember asking, you know, both of them, I mean, particularly Bloodstained Teeth, which was, you know, for the first arc was very much a kind of monster of the week. And I sort of asked Patrick, you know, what do you want to do? You know, I want to do a car chase, right? You're going to have a car chase issue. You know, what else do you want to do? I'd love to do a big brutal fight scene, right? You're going to have one issue that's a brutal fight scene, you know? And, and so you do do that as a writer, writing for other artists. Um, but I, I haven't done it for myself in a weird way, because for me, I was like, okay, it's got to be the story that I follow. So if, you know, there's loads of, I mean, like, I'm, I hate architecture. It just doesn't do anything for me. But obviously I'm doing it. I'm doing a book about Gotham. In fact, I'm not even just doing a book about Gotham. I'm doing a book about two Gothams. Um, so, you know, I'm a glutton for punishment. So I'm having to draw loads of buildings and stuff. I hate it. But but I had, you know, it's about following the story. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take a shortcut and, and like just go, oh well, you know, he's on the moon or something. Do you know what I mean? I, I've got to be true to the character and I've got to be true to the story. So um yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting kind of contradiction when you kind of write for yourself because you can kind of, you can be a little bit meaner to yourself than you might be to another artist because you're like, well, you know, to me, I'm not going to get upset with me. Well, I do, but, you know, I can't do anything about it. <laughs> so I just have to keep muddling on. Does it, does it feel like there's more pressure with this one in some aspects because you're you're kind of doing the whole kitten caboodle and it's the goddamn batman am i going to sound really arrogant if i say no 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 it's not it's weird um it's i I'm, i'm not feeling that much pressure because i think kind of like I've worked hard to make this good. Like I want it to be good, but it's because I'm such a fan. Like it, it's okay. I'll, I'll try and explain it. Right. So I don't get. I don't get. I used to be incredibly shy. Incredibly shy. I couldn't talk to anybody, uh, and then I became a teacher in the East End of London, and I did that for ten years. And any anyone that's ever taught, you know, you. You can't be weak when you're a teacher, particularly kind of like in an inner city school when you're mm-hmm. teaching kind of like, you know, 11 to 16 year olds. You show any signs of weakness with kids. It's kind of over. Uh, and you, you've you got to earn their trust and you've got to know what you're talking about. And you've got to, you know, you've got to stand your ground and, and you know, they and then they need to learn that you know what you're talking about and you've got their best interests and all of that. And part of doing that is is I've kind of found is bringing a level of charisma and humor and humanity to it. And just like, you know, and that's how you connect with people. And then I used to hate doing assemblies and I used to hate doing whole school assemblies. And it just, I, it kind of, I learned how to kind of talk to a crowd and, and learned how to enjoy it and actually enjoy 
the attention the crowd gives me. And now, whenever I do panels at conventions, I love it. It's one of my favourite things ever. And last year, uh, I was very fortunate that I worked with Oscar Isaac, a very famous, very handsome actor. And uh, I was on a panel at New York Comic Con. And like his panel, it was like the spotlight panel, and it was 2,000 people. Like, insane. Big screens, like film and everybody and everything. And I wasn't nervous. Um, I just really enjoyed it. But that's not to say that I didn't feel something as I was waiting backstage to come on. What I felt was excitement. And really, nerves and excitement, it's the same thing. You just rename it. And so you ask me if I feel pressure. I don't. I feel excitement. Because I'm putting everything into this. And I'm proud of it. Like, I... I know this is good. You know, I've worked hard. I've spent much longer on this than I have any other book. I've like really, I've worked, you know, with my editors, you know, sent them the scripts and listened to any feedback, decided, you know, which things I'm going to take on board, which things I'm not, you know, adapted the things, sent it back, listened to feedback and get, you know, I've, I've labored on this to make it as the best thing I've ever done. And I can say that hands down, this is the best thing I have ever done. So I'm just excited. I'm excited to get it out there. I'm excited for people to read it. I know it's good. And I'm fueled by the love of doing it. Like I'm I'm over the moon to be drawing Batman and to be writing Batman. And so it's not pressure. It's fun because I'm doing it. And there's no point trying to draw or even to write this, trying to mimic someone else's voice. Like I'm not mimicking Morrison's voice. I'm not mimicking, you know, Scott Snyder's voice or, you know, or anyone's voice. This is me and it's my Batman. Um, and I, you know, I was doing it the other day, working on it. And I had this weird thought pop into my head. Like, and it was a weird, giddy moment of enjoyment. And I was reading back issue two, because we had the kind of issue two, the PDF all lettered and everything. And we sent it out to comic book stores ahead of the FOC for the first issue. So partly because we wanted them to kind of have the confidence. This is not going to be late. It's all done. You're all fine. You can order with confidence. And I was reading this PDF. And I was like, I think this might be my favourite Batman story. Like, I think this might be my absolute favourite Batman story. And it was this weird out-of-body experience where I was reading it with this, because I was trying to read it from a kind of like, you know, because you're, you're looking for... You know, what needs to be tweaked? Does anything need to be tweaked? Is there anything that needs to be tightened? You know, whatever. So you kind of read it with your personality, with yourself removed because you're trying to be objective. And I was really enjoying it. Like, I was really enjoying it. I was going, this is really good. So, like, false modesty be damned. I'm I'm, I'm so proud of it. And just like, I love this book. Uh, and I know, I absolutely know a lot of other people are going to love it. You know, it may not not it may not be for hundred percent everybody, but that's fine. I know that there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of people out there that are going to love this and really dig it. And I'm like, you know, I'm just I know I'm doing a good book, and I know I'm doing a book that's hundred percent true to both me and my love of the character. And that you know, and that's all you can do. That that's fantastic. I I'm I'm loving this vibe of yeah, I nailed it. 
<laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and, and the and the thing is, like, you know, go, going through Twitter the last couple of days, getting ready for this episode. You know, there's a lot of other creators out here who are, are have, you know, tweeted out, "Hey, pre-order this book. It's pretty yeah. goddamn good." You know, did 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 you know you had so many friends? Was this like your George Bailey? I know, it's right? a wonderful life. I, 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 it was <laughs> a little bit like you know, um, you know, because DC had sent it out. I, you know, I sent it to a few peers, and then you know, it kind of like they might send it to enough and so it was great and i was like you know and obviously a few people tweeted about who i'm friends with and you know that's great but there was a lot that didn't like you know um i ended up chatting quite a bit with with kelly thompson who i'd never really spoken to before and she loved it and that was amazing and obviously she sh- shared the, her new issue of birds of prey with me and that was amazing um and it's just it's been yeah the the, the response has been it's been very gratifying and very like you know, wow, because you know, you always want to be like, you know, you always want to write something that's that's really good, and like to be, you know, when you're a writer artist, there's part of there's part of you that sort of thinks, you know, will people think, you know, that you're a good, you know, you're a great artist, and maybe you're just a good writer, you know, and you just like, you know, you're using your ability as an artist to kind of get by. I've never wanted that, which was primarily primarily why I kind of work with other artists, because I want people to perceive me as a writer and an artist, not just a writer artist. I would always write for other artists as well as myself. And so to have like writers who I really respect and admire and I love their work, you know, you know, tweet out and sort of like, you know, I've had private messages of people telling me you know you've done it this is amazing this is really good you know and like you know a few of them have been like this could be an evergreen you know this could be the next you know batman book that's just on the shelf all the time i mean but you know that sort of thing is kind of out of my control you know there's so many good books out of there that don't become evergreen and it's not because they're not good it's just you know, zeitgeist stuff, which you you never know that whether you're going to land. Um, so I'm not presuming that that's going to happen, but just that so many kind of like really good people that I respect have sort of like told me it's good enough. Um, is it's wonderful. It's really really good. Um, so yeah, I mean, I owe a lot of people all our drinks at New York. I'll just tell you that that much. You know, I'm going to be at the bar a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Now you're not flying completely solo. You've got uh, Hassan Osman Al on, uh-huh. on lettering. Uh, what is I've something Haas did to surprise you during the making uh-huh. of this book? So <laughs> many things. So many things. I mean, like I have known Haas for years. In fact, I mean, like I'm not the only one, but I'm partly responsible for getting him into the industry because uh, not I didn't get him in. I I like he got himself in, but I kind mm-hmm. of like. He, uh, we became friends because I was following him on like his YouTube channel when he was two inch shirt panel naked when it was a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And we used to chat, and I was sort of saying to him, Oh, you need to do comics. And he was like, Oh, no, 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 no. And I was like, You need to do comics. You're good at this. And, um, you know, he's just, well, one, he's the nicest guy, but also, like, you know, Leon is such a, a skill you know, a talent to do it well. And it, it's something that is ignored by a lot of people, not consciously, but it's because it's, to do it well, you're almost invisible. So people don't notice when someone's really good. But Hass, 
he is an artist. I mean, some of the things that he did. I'll give you one example, which won't really spoil anything. So there's a sequence in the first issue that is um, that is in the Court of Owls, and it's in there, and it's when we first go down, and it's in their kind of cavernous caves. And we don't see them to begin with, and it's all dark, and, we, and we're just hearing... They basically chant as a group. It's really I, I, I'm writing creepy, slightly cosmic horror court vowels. They, they are creepy as fuck, and they're chanting like this weird chant. And it's the sequence of panels, and it's like black. And then we see I won't say what, but we see something coming into focus. Then black, and then we see something coming into focus. And in the black panels, they are chanting. And. Uh, I remember getting the notes back from the editors and the note was, oh, there seems to be like some weird artifact on this thing. And I looked at it and I was like, it's not an artifact. He's done an echo. There's an echo. And he's written the words. And then behind the words, he's done them again, like fading away into the, and it's just like, that's not, I, that's not me. I didn't put that in the scripts. I didn't go, this is going to be an echo in here. That's him. Like and he and he, there's so many little touches. Like and anyone that reads this, um, all the little touches in the, the lettering, him. It's not me. None of that is to be attributed to me at all. It's all him. Like and the other thing, um, there's there's. I don't want to spoil too much, but there's 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 multiple lines of narration in, in the book. And one of them is obviously the classic Batman first person narration because you you know you do a Batman book you got to put that in. So there's this first person Batman narration. Now I don't know how familiar you guys are or anyone who's listening to Batman Arkham Asylum Serious House on Serious Earth. I always have to say the full thing. I can't disrespect it. Always has to be the full title. In the back of that, after the story, in the back of the book. It doesn't matter what edition you have, it's in there. There are like 10 pages, which are basically bios of each character. And it's almost like their psychological breakdown. And it's like they've been asked to write their own little thing. And, you know, Two Faces is split in half. The Jokers is all like weird sketches of chest adjuster drawings. And Batman's is written in its weird ticker tape font. And it's really kind of... And Hass, without any prompting from me, he knew that this book was a uh, in conversation with Arkham Asylum. He has written Batman's narration in the same font, and like uh, most people won't know, won't even pick up on that, but like I did, and I know some people will, and it was just like, oh my god, and to be honoured by that level of artistry, he didn't have to do that. But he is bringing, as he does with every book he does. I've done all my books with Hass, and I will, you know, as far as my books are concerned, I will never work with another letterer. Not because there are amazing letters out there, but Hass is my boy. He's like, he is just. There's no one out there touching him at the moment with the level of integrity and pure artistry that he brings that everything he works on and he this is in my mind the the best letter in there he's ever he's ever done i mean it's just it's incredible if this doesn't get him him an eyes of the nomination there's there's something wrong in the world i mean it's it's 
amazing. And the timing for the drop on this is is kind of obvious since it's October, it's spooky season. You yourself yeah. have said you're dealing with some eldritch horror themes. Mm -hmm. And Batman, of course, has a long history with horror. Yeah. To you, what is... Why is Batman and horror like peanut butter and chocolate? Two great tastes that taste great together. I think it comes from tension. In the fact that, you know, I, I my belief is that all great art comes from tension. And when I say art, I'm talking about anything. I'm talking about film. I'm talking about prose. I'm talking about comics. I'm talking about actual, you know, painted art. Um it, you know, it's all about, you know, you look at a painting that has things that are creating tension in that painting. There might be complementary colours. There might be textures put against sharp angles. That's where our enjoyment comes from. We look at things that don't go together. And, and it's the tension between those two things that makes us enjoy it. Peanut butter and jelly, you've just mentioned it. Um and Batman is a character of logic. He's Sherlock Holmes. You know, he's somebody that, that he doesn't have any superpowers. He is ruled by his moles. He is fiercely, you know, intelligent and solves things through logic, exactly like Sherlock Holmes. And you take a character like that who's so grounded in reality and you put him in a situation that is so bizarre and horrific and weird and strange and you have tension, you know? So every time you put him up against, and you know, look at it, 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 there's so many things you can, you can, you can look at where they've, they've done that, you know, even when Grant Morrison, Gothic was the, the prime thing that I'm thinking about, but, you know, I mean, I mean, it, it's so close, in, you know, to, to Arkham Asylum, my love for that book, you know, and it's it's so good. And it's, again, that kind of like, he, and it makes him a man. And it really puts him up against it. You know, when he's put up against these strange, otherworldly things, it just, you know, it makes it so much more exciting because he's just a man. Um so I think that's why it works so well, because you know it, it's you know even his character, you know his rogue villains, they're all like they've all got like a toe in the supernatural. I mean, like look at Clayface. I mean, what the hell's going on there? You know, no one's ever really tried to explain the reality of that, and nor should they. Um, but it's it's as close to horror as you could get. You know. Um, so I think that's why I think it's basically just the the juxtaposition between him as a, as as someone who's who's governed by logic and reality and has no superpowers, you know, and it's really interesting to put him into that sort of situation. And you just mentioned the rogues and from the description, you've got all sorts of touches on the rogues gallery in the book. Mm -hmm. What is it? that makes Batman's rogues gallery, the best rogues gallery in comics and come at me, Spider-Man fans, I will throw down. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, to be fair, Spider-Man's a close second. Yes. No. argument. Yeah. But they're second. Um, I don't, you know, it's, it's, he has the best rogues gallery. I mean, that's even like, even when you go to the weirder angles, they're still good. Um, 
and I think I I think they're all good because and I deal with some of this in the book. I think they're good because in a lot of cases, Batman's rogues are, are like a weird, twisted reflection of him. They they all have something that they they have similarities where they share common ground. And so that you get this wonderful dance with them all, where you're like, well, you know, the, you know, it, I would only have taken a tweak, and Batman would be one of them. And that's why Arkham Asylum works so well, because he's in the asylum, walking side by side with the lunatics, and he's one of them. Um, and I think that's what's really interesting. He is a he's just as much of a a stranger and an outcast as they are. But and um, you know, if we go back to Spider Man. It's Spider-Man, and uh, you know, it's that there's no real relationship. I've never seen a relationship between Spider-Man. Oh, I, I'm going to get a load of Spider-Man hate now. I'm sorry, guys. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, but like that, you know. I mean, even you look at the central thing of Joker and, and and Batman, and like, if that's not a romance, I don't know what is. You know, and that's really interesting. That's so interesting. And in my book, my favorite villain is Two Face. Um he's the best and and i'm always really fascinated by the fact that that harvey and bruce were friends they were friends before they came became enemies and that's that's that to me is a very interesting you know relationship between hero and villain and you you have so much of that there's so much pathos and tragedy in his villains that i feel like it's it becomes almost shakespearean um, and there's no other superhero that kind of, for me, matches that. I mean, I know there's, you know, the Spider-Man, I know he knows, you know, Howie and all that and, you know, whoever else is, the, the, the Green Hobbit or whatever his name is. <laughs> I know what his name is, really. <laughs> but I'm going to call him Green Hobbit from now on. I know people. <laughs> I, I can say this because I would never want to draw a, a Spider-Man comic. Like, I got offered one once by Marvel and I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> oh man, hard pass on Spidey. All those lines hard on pass. the suit. No, thank you. Oh my god, and all the skyscrapers <laughs> and everything. No, no way. No, I, I, I couldn't. There's no way. I would hate my job. But I'd be like, it would kill. I wouldn't do it if I got make it. It would finish me off. <laughs> you, you know, speak speaking to the Spider-Man's rogues versus Batman rogues. Uh, mm-hmm argument and to reinforce both of your points actually uh i've been go with my son reading him like the um the old marvel essentials you know the big black and white uh mm-hmm. on the buy and we're in like the mid to late 70s at this point so the last comic i read him it was like i don't know it was spidey like 160 something or whatever he's fighting dr faustus the captain america villain and it, there's there's that the thing you see so often in spidey comics where all of a sudden he's spidey is hallucinating a bunch of a random assortment of his enemies and, and, and basically fighting ghosts. And he's like, Oh my God, it's all my, you know, worst foes. But the thing is, it was like the shocker and Morbius and uh, uh, the man wolf. And uh, there was another bad example in there. But Kangaroo. but I'm, I'm basically like okay, so this is like the last ten villains you fought, and motherfucker, these were not your best villains. Mm-hmm. You've got Ark in there. You got you got one good one. Yeah, I mean like look, Ark's good. Uh, Green Goblin's good. 
you know, it, Venom is all right, I suppose, if you like that sort of thing. If you're 14, you might like Venom. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, and like Vulture is pretty cool, but, you know, you can't really do much with him. Um, and it's that's it. I mean, I th- here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think this is it. I mean, oh, God, I'm going to get so much hate. I don't care. Um, <laughs> like, I think, like, Spider-Man villains look cool, but they all seem to be based around this idea of, of, of the visuals. You know, oh, my God, I can't say anymore because, like, I've not really read them, so I'm just basing this on nothing, really, just like a gut feeling of distrust. <laughs> I'm sure it's great. <laughs> You know, I love the idea of of you getting an email from Marvel next week that just says, you know, we were going to have you do a bunch of Venom covers for the next Yeah, I'll be, I'll be like, pass. <laughs> <laughs> Although Al's writing it at the moment. I love Al, so, you know, maybe it wouldn't be a pass. <laughs> so one of the designs for Batman's rogues, the reason we're here, that's been out there making the rounds is your Two-Face, which... First of all, it looks great. Let me start there as a base. You know, it has this this interesting scribble thing going on over the damaged side of his face. How did you develop that? Um, so I, I really I really wanted this to be a comic. Like, and I wanted to do something that could only be done in a comic because I love I love the format of comics, you know. You know, don't get me wrong, you know, it'd be great if one of my comics got turned into a film and a TV show. It, that would be amazing. But that's not why I do comics. You know, I like to do comics that are comics and they are designed to be beginning to end cliffhanger. Oh, my God. And, and, and you know, get that feeling that I used to get as a kid. You know, that's what I want. I want someone else to read the story and have the same feelings I had. And so primarily they are built as comics, not as, you know, as 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 a an advert for some of the media. And so really I wanted Two Face. He was a he was a perfect example to be able to lend himself to the format and do something different. And like I just felt like it would be really interesting to draw his bad side badly. So that was it. It was, I wanted to draw his bad side badly. And I look at, you know, I was quite inspired by his basqua uh, and wanting to do something very kind of like, you know, I like the idea and like I can't say too much because there's actually some, there's a kind of, there's a narrative reason and a psychological reason why it's like a, Thing that almost floats in front of his face. So behind it, you can still see there are kind of scar. He's scarred. And he's got like this white eye, which has been burnt out by the acid. And there were moments in the comic where that face, the, the scribbled face, is gone. And um, but there are reasons for that. Um, which you know, that I'm trying to do something visually, but also narratively um with the character and it was just it was fun it, it was exciting for me to do something a bit different um and it's been great because like i mean i sent it to my editors and i thought like, this is what i'm going to do you know he's going to be blonde i don't know why i just like he's blonde in my eye um you know he's got this one black glove on because because his hand isn't burnt I, I was just like why would his hand be burnt it's his face that's burnt his hand's fine but he's got a glove on because it's this this it's this idea of 
like you know he's following through this persona that he's created for himself um so there's just like lots of little touches that um i wanted to kind of do with the character and the, the scribbly face was just the icing on the cake and just it was the ability to do something different that had not been done and that could only be done in a comic. Now, the, the Court of Owls are also a big player in this, as we've already discussed. The Court are a fairly young concept compared, you know, to the larger history of mm -hmm. Batman, you know, mostly mostly associated, but not exclusive to the New 52 era. Are there more scare quotes here rules for characters who have been around longer versus ones with a shorter shelf life or who don't pop up as often um are there rules i would say no not really i mean like it, it's there is one rule and that's respect that's i think that's the rule you know you've you've got to You've got to, like, even as I'm just talking about Two-Face and trying to do something new with him, like, that, me trying to do something new with him, and I do try and do something new with the, the core, but, like, I, you know, I adore core vowels, and, like, when I, I, I wasn't picking up monthly issues when the new 52 launched. I, I kind of stopped, and I was really just trade buying. Um... And New Fifty Two came out, and the buzz of it got me excited. I was like, Do you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna dive in. And I, you know, I did what we all did, and I think I ordered like ten number ones, one of which was, of course, Batman. And by the end of it, I, I think I was only really picking up. Um, I, I, I mean, I can't remember. There might be more. I think I, I, you know, Swamp Thing was one of them. Batman and Animal Man, those were the, the ones that I really stuck with um, because they spoke to me. But out of out of those three, like Court of Owls, you know, Batman's first arc, it was so good. And I still, you know, I still enjoy that now. That's probably one of my all-time favourite Batman stories, you know, and like, and I can compare that to all the greats, you know, you know, the ones I've mentioned, Gothic, Cult, <laughs> um, the, I, I adore it. And so if I'm going to write those characters that I didn't create, and I respect Scott and Greg, they are titans to me. You don't, you, you have to come with, with respect. I mean, you, you, you want to put your stamp on them and like kind of do your own little thing and tweak and just add little bits here and add little bits there. But it's got to be with respect. It can't be, well, I'm going to completely change them and they're actually going to be, you know, whatever. It has to be always with an eye to like, this This doesn't disrespect what this original character, the, the, the original creators came up with. And that applies to all the characters. So my take on Two-Face, although I'm trying to do something new, it doesn't disrespect who he is as a character. You know, the other characters that appear in the book, they're all... They're all like kind of like lovingly homaged versions of, of you know, characters that come before. They're just my spin on them. Um, but hopefully they are not a spin so much that they, they're spinned off their axis and they become a whole different planet. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's really just like as I've worked out, I'm, I'm sat here with these books in front of me, like it's, it's here. 
you know, core values is sat here as I'm working, you know, and I'm constantly flicking through and constantly, you know, looking at inspiration and thinking, you know, to, to make sure that when you do your take on a character, it feels fresh, but it also feels like it's 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 a natural progression from what's become before. Because otherwise, if it's unrecognisable, what's the point of doing it? Just create a new character. If you know you you write these characters because you want to write these characters, you don't write them because you want to put such a revolutionary spin on them. They're somebody new. The miniseries is in DC's Prestige Plus format, the mm. oversized sort of magazine size format, which mm -hmm. you did for Aquaman Andromeda with Rom V as well. Mm -hmm. uh, do you approach a page differently because the format is slightly different or is it yeah. the same? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, no, 100%, 100%. Because what's the point? Do you know what I mean? Like they, they are designed, those books are designed to be consumed lavishly. And what's really interesting, they are, you know, and I've got some here, I've got the, uh, I've got one, one of my favourite um, Black Label books here, which is one of the first ones, the Wonder Woman, you know, Dead Earth, brilliant book. Um, we talked about um, Daniel Warren Johnson earlier. Um, you, They give you a huge, truly widescreen canvas, and if you look at a lot of the other books that I've done, um, I will often, I'll do gutters and, and you know, and then there will only be kind of full page splashes. This and both Aquaman are different. Like my view is it wall to wall, bleed to bleed art. You know, you want to fill the page with as much art and, and value for money as you can. You know, so when people pick it up, it's just... It's lavish. It's it's really you know you want to earn that title prestige. You want it in the same way that when I picked up Arkham Asylum, and I was just like, oh my god, just it's I, I don't know where to look. They're just it's they're just gorgeous. It's everywhere. You want you know you're striving for that same level of like you want someone to open the book and just be like, oh wow. I mean, what you want is, you know, when you, you open a comic and, and it's so cool, your first impulse is to find your closest friend and go, look at this. And that's what you, that's what you're after. You're after that. Look at this. That's what you want. You know, and it's great because it just, it gives you more of a, you know, page real estate to be able to do that. So you might as well make the most of it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, let's, let's wind down here. Uh, any, conventions or signings coming up for you the big one i'm at uh, new york comic-con and uh, primarily because it's it's uh, i believe uh, two days after batman comes out um yes yeah, thursday thursday to saturday friday sunday isn't it yeah so batman's out on a tuesday and then i'll be at new york comic-con on the thursday um and it's uh that's my first time tabling at an american convention since I did um, Rose City about ten years ago, I think. Oh um, wow! So yeah, I haven't. I I I was in New York last year, but I didn't table. So this <laughs> is the first time that fans are going to be able to come and find me, get books signed, come and chat to me, tell me whether you liked uh, Batman. If you can come at me with you know your, your shitty Spider Man like kind of like, oh, but you know, come on, come on, 
you know, and plus I don't really want to talk to 12 year olds. So just, you know, adult, adult time, please. <laughs> no green hobbits. No, 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 no green hobbits. I mean, like, I, I quite like Spider Man. You know, I'm only trying to wind people up. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So yeah, I'm going to be at New York Comic Con, uh, which is I can't wait um, to sort of like connect with with you know American fans who are the best. Um, and then uh, and then in the UK, I'm going to be at Thought Bubble, which is my favorite convention in the whole world. I love it. I love it dearly. Um, so I'll, so New York and Thought Bubble, those are your two opportunities to come bother me. And ultimate question. What yes. are you reading right now? Nothing. I don't have the time. <laughs> Asked and answered. <laughs> I tell you I, I am reading. Uh, World Tree. Um, that's the only book I'm reading at the moment um, because it's because, you know, I talked at the start about my love of the cliffhanger and there's no one who is better than at a cliffhanger than, you know, James Tinian. The Nobody. He's the master at it. So I, I, that's the only book I'm reading at the moment um, because, you know, it's I've got to find out what happens next, basically. So he, he's got me. He's got his hooks into me. Well, Christian, this has been a fantastic hour. Final question as we release you back into the world. How can people follow you online, keep up with Batman City of Madness and everything else that you got going on? Uh, best place is Twitter. I'm never going to call it X, Twitter. Um, and if you follow me there, I'm at CJ Ward Art. Excellent. And, or the, and the same on Instagram, CJ Ward Art. Christian, thank you so much for coming on the show. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A is part of Comics XF, where you can find this podcast along with our sister podcast, Battle of the Atom, and Bat Chat with Matt and Will, a Batman ranking podcast co-hosted by Matt Lazowitz and Will Nevin. You can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Audible, and at ComicsXF.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A at Patreon.com slash ComicsXF, where a dollar donation gets you a shout-out at the end of every episode, a $2 donation gets you early access to WMQ&A, and a shout-out at the end of every episode, a $3 donation gets you a sticker, early access, and a shout-out, a $5 donation gets you access to our monthly bonus podcast, Our Son Pete, a deep dive into the comic appearances of British mutant super spy Pete Wisdom, a $25 donation lets you request a primer, one of our custom reading guides for a series, character, or creator, any $50 donation lets you advertise on the show. Big thanks to our patrons, Will Redmond, Tobias Carroll, Natalie Jordan, Mike Sagawa, Will Nevin, Liz Large, Asimov Fangirl, Carla Pacheco, and Robert Secundus. You're all special, and we love you. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at WMQ Comics, me at Daniel P. Grote, Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013, and ComicsXF at ComicsXF. You can also follow ComicsXF on Facebook and Blue Sky. And until next week, remember, in the 1970s, Stan Lee reportedly used to maintain a collection of toupees that made it appear as if he was growing his hair out. Excelsior! W-N-Q-A. W-N-Q-A.